0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Talk Catholic with Father Scott Lawler. And as we always do, or try to do when I remember, we'll start with the prayer for uh, God, the cause of sainthood for Venerable Frederick Barragher. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh God, thank you for the life and holiness of your servant, Venerable Frederick Barrager. I pray you will honour him by the title of saint. He dedicated himself completely to missionary activity to make you known, loved and served by the people who you love. Lord, I pray through the Venerable Frederick Barrager's intercession may we all have the missionary zeal of Bishop Barrager and the resources necessary in order to reach what you have intended for us, to build up your church in both northern Michigan and in the Upper Peninsula. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Uh, Today we're going to carry on with the diary of Bishop Frederick Baraga, and as um, those of you who have listened to other ones know, that uh, each month I am attempting to read the entries from the diary for a few consecutive years, or for that month. So we're up to August now, and there are a couple of largish footnotes for his activities in in August and we'll get to them in due course. So, and the diary starts in 1852 and there are just a few entries for August of 1852. August 12th. Today Leclerc's small boy burned himself. The best remedy is wax, butter, incense and gum. There's a footnote about that. Francis Leclerc, Leclerc, 32, was a Canadian-born fisherman. And that gum that is a, some kind of resin. I don't know if it comes from a tree or not. I certainly would not be encouraging anybody who had burned themselves nowadays to be putting wax or incense on that. Now, butter is still used in some countries. The only thing about using butter is that butter will often... Result in of for, for burns. I seem to recall that from a long time ago being taught that in a class. Back to the, the diary. August 22nd. My days pass by so uniformly one after the other in, transcri- in transcribing the second part. It's to do with his, his, um, dictionaries, I'm presuming, that I find at all I find nothing at all to enter in the diary. The copies or at least excerpts of the letters I write are in the letter register. Then August 29th, Sunday, one of the most noteworthy days of the year. Three hours and that apparently is a footnote says that Baraga habitually arose at 2 or 3 a.m. for meditation and so on this occasion he prayed for three hours. A real Sunday. Literally, it says, apparently in the German, a day of praise and thanksgiving. Receive good news (coughs) in the letters. See the letters, and that's referring to his letter register as well. And that ends the entry for the first volume, which is the one that covers 1852. And we move into August of 1853, and again, there are very few entries. August 5th. Today I went from Sault Marie to Eagle Harbour, where I arrived on the 7th, and on the 9th I went to Lons, where I remained only two days. Then August 12th. From August 12th until September 26th, I was on a mission tour through all the mining locations in the district of Keweenaw, as well as Ontonogon and in various locations selected suitable sites for churches and future priests' houses. On this mission tour, I baptised 56 children. So keeping himself busy, as we've heard before, he's he gets on with things. He doesn't um, dilly-dally on the way, as it were, and that's the only entries for 1853. Moving on to August of 1854... August 10th is the first entry. Departed from Detroit on August 11th, arrived in Mackinac. And the footnote says, Father John Steinhausen and Lawrence Lattisher, both priests, were with Barriga. Steinhauser, a Swiss, went to Little Traverse until 1856. He was at St Joseph Parish in Detroit in 1857, at Muskegon in 1859. Conowingo, Maryland, in 1864 through to 1865 and at Ave de Grace in Maryland in 1886. There's no record of the intervening years nor after 1866. Latisher continued to the Sioux Sioux, where for a month he studied English under Father Teal. Latisher was born on December 11th, 1820 in Carnulia. He was ordained on August 3rd 1845, Kana Novak recommended Latishur to Barriga. Although by nature he is small and homely, his heart and intellect are formed harmoniously and justly the fairest promise. Or justified, rather, sorry, the fairest promise. That's Novak to Barriga in a letter in 1854. In September, Latishur went to Abkrosh to learn the Indian language from Father Mirac. On June 14th, 1858, Lattisher left Michigan to join Father Peerts. On December 3rd, 1858, a week before his 38th birthday, Lattisher froze to death on Red Lake, Minnesota. He is buried at Calvary Cemetery in Duluth, Minnesota. His death was a great personal sorrow for Peerts and Barriga. And if you remember, I think we did actually read that out. Or at least something about that. That rings a bell with me. Back to the diary. August 14th. Arrived in Cross Village and there on the 15th offered mass and preached. August 16th to 17th offered mass and preached at Little Traverse. August 18th to Sheboygan on the 19th about midnight returned again to Mackinac. And there's a footnote. Um, this has got to do with spelling. So Sheboygan is also Got a different spelling of Sheboygan. It's located on the western side of Burt Lake in Sheboygan County. From Little Traverse one could canoe via Round Lake and Round River, Crooked Lake and the Maple River which empties just south of the Indian village. The location was a permanent set- settlement since 1720. Back to the diary. August 20th. In the evening left Mackinac and onwards. August 21st. The next morning arrived at Sault Marie, where I received many letters, etc. Footnote. One letter was from a French priest, Father Sébastien Duroc, whom Barriga immediately answered, assuring him of admittance to the vicariate and giving him instructions for travelling to the Upper Peninsula, where, quote, you will be able to do much good, close quote. And that letter went on August 21st, 1854. Then the next entry, August 25th, Today I sailed for Lake Superior on the Samuel Ward. And there is a significant um, entrance footnote for that. So, footnote. Upon his return to saint in October, Barriger wrote an account of his missionary visits to his sister, Amalia Gressel. And he wrote it to the Leopold Society and a couple of the other German-language magazines, newspapers and magazines that help support the missions in the Upper Peninsula. His accounts read, After many tedious but unavoidable delays, Bishop Barriga, on August 21st, arrived safely here in Sault-Saint-Marie in his sea and future place of residence to the most sincere contentment of his good children in Christ. But when they heard that he will soon go ahead again, they became sad. He knew that his poor children on Lake Superior also awaited him with yearning for a long time, and so he continued his journey at once on August 25th and arrived on the 27th at La Ponte. In this, his first mission on Lake Superior. Already for many years, he had not been at all in La Ponte, and it was already a year since the Reverend Father Scholar had departed from there. The poor people were then so glad to see him once again, and that as Right Reverend Bishop. At the same time they were also very grateful that he had brought them a missionary, Father Carré, with him who will stay with them. The Right Reverend stayed eight days at La Pont, and during the entire time he was very intensely and very usefully occupied. There were nearly a hundred confirmees, and these he had to prepare himself for confirmation by daily instruction and had to hear all their confessions because of the new missionary and his inability as yet to speak Indian. These eight days he gave instructions for confirmation, and most of the remaining time he spent in the confessional, because not only the confirmees but nearly all the others came to confession. This confirmation of his at La Ponte was the first in his own diocese. From La Ponte he went to Antonogin, which now is already a rather important little town on Lake Superior, and stayed there twelve days, so as to bring the affairs of this very good station somewhat in order. Also here he installed a new priest, an Irishman, Father Dunn, but who speaks also French, so well that he also preaches in French. Here the right reverend bishop also administered confirmation, but here he had only to hear the confessions of the Indians, of whom there are only a few and the Germans. The priest heard the confessions of the Irish and the French. Here we had still another solemnity, namely the blessing of the nice and spacious church, which the Catholics have built during the European, during the Right Reverence European journey, in the hope that he would bring them a priest, which to their great satisfaction he also had done. This little town of Ontonogan is increasingly increasing rapidly, and is believed that it will become the most important town in Upper Michigan. From Montenogan he again came here, says Marie, but again for only a short time, four days, during which he conferred tonsure and four minor orders on Mr Teal, a very promising incipient missionary, and then he went to Lons, where for ten years he had laboured as a missionary, here again the joy of his dear children was great when their anxious wish was to see him as bishop which has finally been fulfilled. In Lons he stayed twelve days as at La Ponte. He again had to perform everything himself, instruct the confirmes and hear confessions himself because the missionary, Father Lemoji, who is now there, was sent there just to help since he does not speak Indian. The one at the head of the lake, Father Angelus van Pemel, had asked to be transferred to alb Here also, in Lons all, or nearly all, came to confession. And on October the 1st, in this mission of the most holy name of Jesus, so dear to him, he administered confirmation, in which all were very much moved. His dear children, as well as the right reverend bishop himself, saw that he cried from emotion. The emotion and edification with which they saw their father and missionary, who now stood before them with crozier and mitre, and heard him deliver before them words of sincerest consolation in their own language, was noteworthy and consoling. Most of our Indians have indeed seen bishop before, but they have never heard one, uh, sorry, seen bishops before, but they have never heard one speak in their language. On the seventh instant, he again arrived here, now to stay a little longer. Until now he is only was only on the journey and had no permanent place. Everywhere he was only for a few days. Finally he is at home. It was a long journey. On the 11th instant, the first ordination in Upper Michigan took place. The Right Reverend Bishop conferred the subdiaconate on the above-mentioned Mr. Teal. On the 18th, he was received into the diaconate and on the 21st the Holy Priesthood, and on the 22nd he will celebrate his solemn First Mass here in our St Mary's Church, in which the Right Reverend Bishop will preach. All this is very noteworthy for the Right Reverend as well as for Sault Ste. Marie in general, because these are the first ordinations which he has conferred in his newly established diocese. Yesterday there were confirmations and a solemn pontifical Mass, the first that had ever been celebrated in Sault There were eighty-five confirmees, French, Irish, and Indian. And that's the end of that, that footnote. There's one last entry for eighteen fifty-four for August, and that's August twenty-seventh, and it just reiterates a noon arrived at Le Pont, preached in the afternoon and announced confirmation. The entire week each evening I instructed for confirmation and always heard confessions and it just says in the footnote here that Barraga accompanied the Reverend Timothy Carré whom he placed at this mission and we heard that and that's the end of the August entries for 1854. Moving on to August of 1855, there aren't uh, many entries for for that no! I was looking, I was just looking at one page. There are a few. August 1st, Mr. Yacker received the subdiaconate. August 4th, Mr. Yacker received the diaconate. And on the 5th, priesthood. August 8th, today the Reverend Mr. Dunn departed from here for New York, Louisville and Boston. August 9th, sailed from the Sioux on the Illinois. And on the 10th, via Marquette. August 11th, arrived in Eagle River and departed at once for Eagle Harbour, where on the 12th Sunday I offered Mass and then departed. August 14th, arrived at Lons with the Reverend Mr Jacker and Mr Brannan, and as a footnote, Thomas Brannan was a school teacher in Launce from August 1855 until July 1858. August 16th, Departed Lons with the Reverend Limogie. Footnote. In July 1854, the Reverend Charles Limogie joined Barraga in New York, and in August, Barraga brought him to Lons. Limogie built a sawmill in Lons and apparently stole boards from Captain Bendry. Barraga sent Limogie his exeat, and from Lons, he left the diocese on November 12th. Barraga wrote to him, I owe you nothing, you have caused enough damage. Le Mange is listed at New London, Wisconsin in 1868. That's yet yeah, another example, as we've heard a few times before, of Bishop Barger having problems with men who he at first had hope for. August 18th. Today I sailed on the Northerner for La Ponte and on the 19th afternoon arrived here. August 23rd. Today, the Reverend Mr. Carey left La Ponte and the Reverend Mr. Van Pamel arrived to take his place on the same day. Footnote for that, Timothy Carré was born in Montpellier, France. In 1854, Barriger took him to La Ponte. After leaving La Ponte, he went on to Mackinac, St. Ignace area. He was erratic in both his private and public conduct and Barrager finally dismissed him in the spring of 1858. And I think we heard that in previous entries. Then there's a footnote about Angelus van Pemel, a Belgian, was ordained in Detroit in 1850. In 1853, after van Pemel had spent two years among the Indians in Arbcoche, Barrager asked Bishop Lefebvre to send him to Launce. He tended both Launce and La Pont from the fall of 1853 until August 1855 when he was permanently assigned to La Ponte. In September 1859, after violence and threats upon his life in Bad River, he returned to Belgium for health reasons. Van Pamel returned to the Sioux in the summer of 1861. In November he returned to Belgium. In 1868 he became a gentleman's chaplain, whatever that is, and pastor of a small congregation in Leicestershire, England. I wonder if I could get that gig. I could see myself as a gentleman's chaplain. Do you know what that probably means? Some wealthy guy in England, one of these um, aristocratic uh, Catholic families who have their own chapels. You still can visit them. He probably uh, took him in. So so there you are. Um, Another couple of unfortunates who did some good work, but then had to leave. And the last entry for August of 1855 is August 26. Confirmation at La Ponte, 37 people. That um, is the end of the uh, August entries for 1855. In 1856, Mm -hmm. We have a few entries. They they tend to be short, like most of the diaries entries for eighteen fifty six. August third, confirmation at La Pointe for forty six. August seventh, left La Pointe on the Superior at three p.m. and by eleven p.m. arrived in Ontonagon. August tenth, confirmation at Ontonagon only twelve. August thirteenth, arrived in Minnesota. August seventeenth, confirmed twenty seven at Minnesota. August 20th, arrived at Norwich, and on. August 24th, I confirm 33 here, on the 25th, arrived at Ontonoggin. 28th of August, left Ontonoggin with Mr Murray, and as a footnote, Nicholas Murray was an English-speaking school schoolteacher whom Barriga hired for Shemoygin. August 29th, arrived at the Sioux, and that ends the entries for August of eighteen. 18- 56. And now moving on to August of 1857. The first entry or August 4th arrived at Eagle Harbour at 4 a.m. on the General Taylor. Fortunately Mr. Yacker was just there and on the 6th he again returned to Launce. August 8th at 11 a.m. left Eagle Harbour on the North Star and at 10 p.m arrived in Marquette. Here I was very much disappointed because of the complaints about the drinking and harshness of the priest. As a footnote about that, Father Duroc, who had just returned from France, was to have brought the Reverend Mr Martin Marco to the diocese. However, Mr Marco, who, this is a a quote within the, the quote, Mr Marco, who is of tender and delicate conscience, having on his journey been much scandalised at the improper conduct of his companion, and besides understanding that if ordained priest at sous marie he must of course expect to be sent to some mission alone far distant from any other priest, has become so frightened that he is determined not to go farther, and begged me to receive him for the Diocese of Detroit. And that is a letter from Bishop Lefevre to Bishop Purcell, Britain in, in Detroit on June 10th. In August, Baragher asked Lefebvre to reimburse him the $100 he had paid for Marco's passage. Baragher omitted mention of these difficulties when he wrote, On the annual visit of my diocese, I have arrived here in Marquette, where I found the Reverend Mr Duroc, who has just arrived from his journey to France. I attest that he has great need of the assistance which he requests, and I hope, Mr. Choiselet, that you will have the kindness to forward to him the sum which he asks. A week later, Baragher again wrote, Father Duroc has never sent me the 1,000 francs that he has received from you. On the contrary, he is asking the propagation for 1,500 more, as you perhaps already know by his letter. I ask you, if that is feasible, to grant him that sum without charging it to my account. Back to the entry for August 8th. Here I had only four confirmations. August 13th. Arrived again in Sault Marie on the Lady Elgin at 11am. There, to my great joy, I found Brother Ludwig, who came for ordination, thanks be to God. On the other hand, sorrow because of the poor apostate Stenger whom I am compelled to dismiss as well as another student Meyer who came here on his own. August 15th Sunday at 8 a.m., I conferred the subdiaconate on Ludwig Sitterat. Uh, at half past nine I was called to old Mrs Byron. Footnote probably the wife of old Byron an erratic parishioner of the Sioux Thomas Byron Carpenter was 33 years old and his wife was 22. They are the only Byrons in the consensus reports That, but that would hardly be old in 1957. Listed with them are two girls, Francis one and Julia nine and that's from the 1860 uh, Chippewa County um, Census. August 20th, today Mr Sitterat received the August twenty first. The canal broke today, which perhaps cannot be repaired for a long time. On the twenty fourth it was fine it was finished. August twenty third Mr Sitterat received all the orders. On the twenty fourth he sailed on the Collingwood for Mackinac. Footnote an original German Barriger wrote Auch instead of Auf for what that's worth, birth. August 26. Mr. Yehan came up and remained here until the 31st. and That's the end of the entries for August for 1857. In 1858 the entries start on August the 1st. Sunday. While passing the time in Ontonogon preached in French and English and at 11pm sailed on the Iron City for La Ponte but we were brought against our will to Superior where however I could not remain because Mr Van Pemel as you you might remember these are all priests or many of these was not there. Thus we sailed on the same boats back to La Ponte where we arrived after midnight Tuesday morning and as a a long footnote here now. Barraga wrote a detailed account of this visitation. On August 1st I came to La Ponte. This mission is always dear to me because it was the first that I had established on that lake. On July 29th 1835 I landed there for the first time and was received with great spiritual joy by the few Catholics who were there at the time. To my great consolation I found much occupation in the instruction of the catechumens, who came here in large groups. Baptisms of new converts were numerous. On my present visit I remained there twelve days, preached, baptised and administered confirmation. Thirty Indians were confirmed here. From La Pointe I went with the zealous missioner, Father Van Pamel to Fond du Lac, where I also established and visited for the first time in the year 1835. On my first visit here I had many baptisms, and then in each of my succeeding visits, on August 15th of this year I administered here the Holy Sacrament of Confirmation, and 40 of my dear Indians were confirmed. This is the first confirmation ever to have taken place at Fond du Lac. One can imagine the feelings and mood of the bishop, who is surrounded by these simple believing Christians, administered Holy Confirmation in a mission in which this holy and strengthening sacrament had never been administered. The next station I then visited was Portage Lake, a mining station consisting of Irish, Canadian and many Germans. Father Yacker of Lons regularly visits this station on the Sunday that I spent there after preaching in English, French and German and after having administered confirmation, also for the first time in this station, I made provisions for the building of a church on a site that we already had purchased in this mining station. I started a collective, a collection or a subscription and myself signed first with a sum of money. And in, in a short time, I might say in a few moments, $130 was subscribed. We now have a spacious schoolhouse where the missioner, when he comes, offers mass and preaches, but it is too small for the many Catholics who are there. I hope that we will soon have a proper church. The next mission I visited, visited was Lons. I found this mission founded this mission in the year eighteen forty-three and was a missioner here for ten years. It is under the spiritual care of the Reverend Edward Yacker who makes great efforts to preserve the Indians already converted in a genuine Christian life and to instruct them more and more in the Christian Catholic religion, and also to bring the unconverted into the Holy Church of God. Father Yakar deserves much praise, especially for keeping the school himself five to six hours every day. To this mission are bound some of my most consoling recollections. Whenever I enter into the small room assigned to the missioner, now occupied by the extraordinary, zealous Edward Yacker, I am reminded of the many consolations and spiritual joys I enjoyed when I saw that a savage band of Indians, degenerated by being sunk deep in drunkenness, would be transformed into zealous Christians and a strong congregation through the powerful and benevolent influence of the holy words about the cross which God, the Lord, by his boundless mercy, led me to announce to them in their own expressive language. In this little room, I have also done much work for the Indian literature. Here, I have composed the Indian grammar and the dictionary, as also one widely circulated work for our Indian missions. On Sunday, September twelfth, I preached to the Indians in the morning, and in the afternoon. Uh, and administered Holy Confirmation to 30 Indians who were prepared for it. Another mission station that also gives me much consolation and spiritual joy is the mining station of Minnesota. Here and in the nearby surrounding mines is the largest congregation of Catholics in the entire diocese, Irish, Canadians, or the French from Canada, and especially many Germans. Here works and labours with tireless zeal, the Reverend Martin Fox, a Prussian. He is the builder of three churches, two of which are especially nice and roomy. Although they are built only of wood, the interiors are plastered, so that they appear as if they were of masonry and vaulted. The entire architecture of, of same is so nice and symmetrical that it is a joy to look at them. The persevering zeal with which Father Fox labours, not only for the building of churches, but mainly for the various mission (coughs) stations, deserves unstinted recognition. Although he is German, he speaks and preaches fairly well in English and French, and he is well liked by the French and Irish as as he is by, of course, the German peoples. Here, 45 persons were confirmed. Now I visited again another mission station Where another missioner, the Reverend Louis Teal, labours so energetically with indefatigable zeal in word and deed. He attends to various mission stations, the most important of which are named Cliff Mine and Eagle Harbour. He always preaches in three languages English, French, and German because his congregation consists of Irish, Canadian, and German peoples. Father Teal is also occupied with the building of his second church. The first at Eagle Harbour is very big and very nice, and to this church a very nice and roomy residence for the missionary has been built. With the small means available to him, he has worked hard to build a church so nice and big and also a residence, for which may God the Lord reward him in eternity. Father Teal works hard for the conversion of the Protestants. At the time I was with him, he again baptised four Protestants, English-speaking, whom he had previously sufficiently instructed and then solemnly accepted into the Holy Church. The heretofore mentioned mines are copper mines, but we also have a very productive and really inexhaustible iron mine. At Marquette in such an iron mine, and here we have a church and a congregation which is cared for by a French priest, Monsignor Duroc, Sorry, Monsieur de Roc. He too has built a small church with his residence, but since the church soon became too small, he therefore had it enlarged last summer. So our missionaries are at work, do as much as they can for the greater glory of God and the eternal salvation of their own souls and the souls that are entrusted to them. And that was a letter, an article that. Barger wrote to one of the German newspapers that helped support him and that was printed um, in 1858. And so back to the entries. So August 8th of 1858. Preached etc. Confirmations 30. Mr Moise did not want to remain at La Pointe so I appointed him to Ontonogon at least for one year. I'm presuming that's either a teacher or a priest. We have no footnote on that. August 13th, from La Pont to Superior on the North Star at 2 pm arrived. August 15th, preached in English, French and Indian after High Mass confirmed 26 persons. August 17th, today I have confirmed five more, making 31 confirmed here in Superior. I had the defective pages 31 and 32 of the Animus Miss and the Animus Mass printed. Confirmed nine more, making 40 confirmed. And the footnote about the defective pages says apparently the printer in Cincinnati made an error on two of the pages of the dictionary that the Bishop was putting together. August 24th. Early this morning sailed from Superior and travelled non-stop to the Sioux where I arrived on the 26th at 12 o'clock on the North Star. And that's the end of the entries or for August for 1858. Moving on to the August entries for 1859. August 3rd. At 3 p.m. departed on the North Star and at 4 a.m. arrived at the Sioux where, as usual, I found many letters waiting to be answered, for which reason I returned here before completing my Lake Superior mission visits. And as a footnote, the letters omit mention of the interval at somebody and mackinac August ninth sailed today on the Lady Elgin to Mackinac in order to have the two pages thirty one and thirty two of the previous document reprinted cost eight dollars August eleventh summoned as a witness by patrick smith dot 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 and there's a lengthy footnote here about this uh, as early as February 1859, Barraga seems to have communicated with Smith about replacing the Jesuit teachers if they left the Sioux. And this is a quote. I regret to say that now I cannot employ you here at Sault Ste. Marie because Father Minet and his two brothers remain now here and will not quit the Sioux. Subsequently, consequently, I would not employ another teacher as one of the brothers will continue to teach in our boys' school. There you earn the same wage as you would here. You owe me thirty dollars, which I lent you at Mackinac on 15th of July, last. This sum I make you a present of. Please tell me immediately whether you intend to keep on the Sheboygan school or if not. And if not, I must then look for another teacher." was Baragher to Smith. Baragher wrote to Smith in care of Father Murray about the controversy. Sir, on my arrival here on the 14th, I received a letter from John Hife of Sheboygan, in which he says Mr Smith filled the returns for three months and has drawn three months' money instead of two. What an injustice! You know that you have been disconnected with the Sheboygan school before the month of June, and your boy, whom you had no right to substitute for you, has kept that school for the last time, as of the 3rd of June, and you had the temerity to fill the public government returns for the whole month of June. This is a public fraud. I spoke of your proceeding to Agent Finch on board of the Illinois. He knows you now, and he promised me repeatedly to confirm John Hefey for the Sheboygan School. You are in conscience bound before God and men to pay over to John Hefe the $33 for this month of June. You acknowledge yourself disconnected with the Sheboygan school by your engaging to keep the school at Mackinac, which you kept some days in May, the whole month of June, and some days in July, until Father Murray was obliged to dismiss you on account of your neglecting that school and not complying with the agreed conditions. You have been paid for the month of June for the Mackinac school and now you rob poor Hefe of his payment for that same month of June. What right have you to be paid twice for the same month? This is unjust. It is a roguish robbery and it will leave a stain on your character before God and men until you make restitution of your ill-gotten $33. I pity very much your poor soul. And that's a letter from Barry Good to Smith written on the August 16th, 1859, from St St. Marie. The next day, Barriga wrote to Finch after explaining the details and again uh, asking Finch to confirm Hefe in the teaching position at Sheboygan. Barriga concluded, One, John Hefe is at this time very poor indeed and he depends entirely on his present situation for a living, whereas Patrick Smith has his business at Mackinac where he keeps a pretty large hotel, which he leased for three years. Two. I advanced to poor Hefe more than eighty dollars to buy provisions and other necessaries for his household. If he is turned out if he is turned out the money will be a dead loss to me. That's got to Finch. Ugly business. Um, going back to the diary entries, August thirteenth at eleven PM Departed on the Illinois for the Sioux and onwards. August 14th, Sunday at 9.30, preached in English and French at the High Mass. August 15th through to 16th, on these two days I have been somewhat sick. August 19th, sailed on the Iron City to Marquette with Julie W. Ward and E.M. Chaloux. August 21st, offered mass in Marquette and at 10 preached in French and English. August 22nd, sailed on the North Star at 6am from Marquette to La Ponte. On this same day gave $100 to George Rice for for Bernard in Eagle Harbour. August 23rd, at 4pm arrived at La Ponte. August 28th, Sunday preached in English, French and Indian, confirmed 17 August thirtieth, departed from Le Point for Ontonagon on the Lady Elgin. August thirty-first, sailed on a riverboat to Minnesota Mine, and at three p.m. arrived at Father Fox's. And that's the end of the entries for August of eighteen fifty-nine. And now we get to August in eighteen sixty, and there's a fair few entries for this month. August 1st, right, this evening the Illinois came up from Detroit with a noisy pleasure party and we sailed during the night from Mackinac in a nice moonlight. Howdy boat journeys on the lakes. Mm. August 2nd at 10am arrived at the Sioux where I found many pleasant and unpleasant letters. Among them, one from Munich with $816.32, thanks be to God. Today, I received $200 from Trempe and from Barbo, $300. In the afternoon at four, I boarded the North Star. And as a footnote. There is no record of if any meeting took place between Baraga and the Jesuits. This was the only time Baraga was in the Sioux in August before the Jesuits actually left. Uh, August third arrived quite early in Marquette, where I did not get off instead wrote a letter to Father Minet about Gibbons in portage entry. I saw Father Yacker, who told me that he was expecting his brother on the Illinois at Copper Harbor. We remained fourteen hours lying at a very inappropriate time. as a footnote Father Francis Yacker and uh, sorry Father Edward. Yaker's Brother, Father, uh, Francis Yacker, wasn't a priest, and his family settled at Portage Gentry. They are buried in the Indian Cemetery at Asenins. Oh, how about that? August 4th. Did not sail from Copper Harbour until 8am and via Eagle Harbour, Eagle River. Arrived in Untanoggin at 4pm. Here I saw Father uh, Fox, who very actively and industriously takes care of all four of his churches. He now has a horse. At 11pm we arrived at La Ponte. August 5th, Sunday. Perrinier has arranged the church nicely, but it will cost much. Today here in La Ponte I preached four short sermons in English, French and Indian and recited the Stations of the Cross. August 6th, I was in Bayfield with Father Chubul and Henry M. Rice. Footnote. Henry Moore Rice born November 29th 1817 died January 15th 1897 was a businessman entrepreneur in northern Wisconsin and Minnesota. He was a founder of the cities of Bayfield, Superior and Duluth and connected these cities by railroad with St. Paul to acquire the necessary land. He supported removal of the Indians to the west. He was a delegate of the Minnesota Territory in Congress from 1853 to 1857 and the United States Senator from 1858 to 1862. Rice was a friend of Father Shubul. He built the rectory at Bayfield and gave an organ to Shubul for the church. Just not very good to the Indians. Um, So going back to Shubul and Henry Rice who promised me to have a house built at once for the priest if he would live on that side. I promised him that the priest would li- indeed live there. August 7th. I was again in Bayfield and see that Mr Rice actually has already started building a house for the priest. August 8th. Periniere was called to Bayfield to complete the church there. The church as well as the priest's residence will now be completed. August 9th. Today I sent the almanac report for 1861. To Murphy and Dunnegan with eleven priests, had some confessions. August tenth, this noon, I went to Bad River to visit Ailing Charlotte Haskin, and remained there overnight. On the same evening, Joseph Riel brought the eighteen pews for the chapel at Bad River. August eleventh, at six a.m., I left Bad River and arrived at Le Pont. Towards noon, thinking I would find the Lady Elgin there, but I did not. August 12th, Sunday, still at the point, I preached three short sermons before noon and one in the afternoon. In the evening I had many confessions and at 9pm sailed away on the Lady Elgin. August 13th, towards evening I arrived at Portugentry and remained there overnight in order to go to the following morning to Lons, where Father Yacker then happened to be. August 14th. At 11am I arrived at Launce and found everything in the old usual order. I took a document from Montferrand through which he wanted to place himself in possession of many acres of land in Launce. August 15th. Assumption of Mary. The church in Launce thanks be to God was packed full although no one from the east side came to mass because of the bad weather or because of a lack of zeal, I don't know. I firmly resolved next spring to make the entire building into a church by removing the partitions and to have the house situated at the foot of the hill and the top of the hill removed. August 16th, today I visited all the Indians and Launce in their dirty neglected houses. August 17th, at 6am, sailed from Launce at 9, arrived at the entry and at 1 pm by tugboat arrived in Houghton. Father Yakker's house is very nicely arranged. He is learning Irish Old Celtic. August, of course they mean Gaelic. Then. August 18th, a noteworthy day for writing. Today I wrote 14 warning letters to the Canadian bishops against O'Neill, who has forged an exead with my name so we had that a couple of months ago we had this whole story about O'Neill and how uh, Bishop Barriga felt he should be removed from the priesthood and wrote to that effect so this exeat means he's forging that Barriga's given him his blessing to find somewhere else to go August 19th Sunday in Houghton said mass at 9am and preached in French and German at 10.30 Father Jacke sang the high mass and I preached in English August 20th, I was on the other side of Portage Lake to secure building sites for the new church. At the same time, I made a very poor collection among the zealous Canadians. August 21st, Father Francis Fussender, footnote. The Reverend Francis Fussender was born in Austria in 1825 and ordained in 1850 in Wisconsin. He laboured primarily in the Diocese of Milwaukee. He retired for health reasons in 1876 and died in 1888. That's the history of the Catholic Church in Wisconsin. That tells us that information. Father Fusender arrived in Houghton to take up a collection for a new church at the mines, but I gave him permission only to collect enough on Father Yacker's side to cover his travelling expenses no more. At 4pm I left Houghton on the Cleveland and arrived. August 22nd, early in the morning, five o'clock at Eagle Harbour, said Mass at seven and then discussed with Father Teal all day and read. August 23, 24 and 25. I've been home and read. Nothing in the least has occurred for me to enter into the diary. Footnote Barriga wrote one of his few light letters at this time. Here it is. My Lord. I have seen several priests wearing a long beard and I have heard of others who wear it, as for instance the Benedictines, the priests of Father Soren and many others in Wisconsin, Indiana and elsewhere, and my missionaries, Teal and Yaker also expressed a wish to wear it. They have commonly bad razors and suffer a kind of martyrdom once or twice a week by applying those bad instruments to their faces. They say if the bishop wore a long beard, they also would do so. Query: what would you say, dear bishop, Archbishop, if I appeared on the Third Provincial Council in Cincinnati with a long grey beard? Barraga to Bursle. On the 24th, the Jesuits made their last entries in the baptismal register at the Sioux. The last two Ursuline sisters, Augustine and Mary Joseph, sailed with the Jesuits, they arrived in Chatham, Ontario, on August twenty eighth. Right, Back to the diary. August twenty sixth, Sunday. There were many people in church, and even more would have come if the morning had not been dark and threatening to rain. I said mass at eight and at ten preached in English and German. After the mass, I confirmed eight persons. August twenty seventh, Father Teal rode to Eagle River. And I gave him a letter to take along for John Burns, whom I asked to state clearly if he wants to make the church at Hancock or not. August 28th. Read German and English newspapers all day, Uh, the latter for practice. We had tea with Mr. Baldwin. And Baldwin, James Baldwin, aged 45, was born in Cornwall, England. He came to Lake Superior in 1845 on a survey and exploring expedition and was one of the first people to settle at Eagle Harbour. Besides being the captain of a mine, he also owned a dock and warehouse and later also a hotel and a large general store in Eagle Harbour. He was married and had five children. His personal estate was valued at $8,000 in the federal census of 1860. He died in 1861. Back to the diary. August 29th. A very warm, yes, even a hot day. A rather rare occurrence this summer. Also, the evening and night were unusually warm. August 30th. At 10 am, we rode in a very good wagon to Eagle River, where we arrived by noon at 2 o'clock. Had dinner with John Kerry, and then we rode off to Cliff Mine. We met John Burns, who solemnly assured me. He wants to build a church in Hancock and will do so this fall. August 31st, Confession Day, otherwise read all day. The food is brought to us here, which I like better. And that's the end of the entries for August for 1860. Moving on to 1861. There's quite a few entries. I will try to get them done, but I think we might run out of time. August 1st. As soon as the scoundrel John Miskoigig got wind of his arrest, he cleared out this morning. August 2nd at 8am, we sailed from London at 7pm. After a tedious ride, we reached Portage Lake where I met Mr Seif. In the evening, Father Fox arrived on foot with his two pupils. I took Mr J Sweeney with me for Mackinac. August 3rd, today I bought at Sheldon's many carpenter tools for Father Terhorst, put them on the account. August 4th, Sunday, from today on there will be two Masses, said every Sunday at Portage Lake, as well as in Hancock. Today I pontificated in Hancock, delivered three sermons, blessed the Church under the protection of St Anne, and confirmed 48. August 5th, at 2pm I sailed with Mr Sweeney on the City of Cleveland, For Marquette, $3.50 each at half price and we arrived in Marquette that night. August 6th in the morning, I said Holy Mass and we left only at 4pm. August 7th at 6am, we arrived at the Sioux and Mr Sweeney remained on the same city of Cleveland for Mackinac. August 8th, I took $115 from L.P. Trempe and sent it to La Pont for Father Shubul In a box with various church articles. However this box did not go ahead yesterday but it will go with the next North Star besides a barrel of flour for Le Moray for his $5 purchase. August 9th to 10th wrote many letters and made preparations for the next journey paid church and payment. August 11th Sunday preached in English and French Preparations for the journey to the missions of Lake Michigan. August 12th, waiting for the steamer Michigan, but it did not come. Withdrew money from Trempe as it will be seen from his forthcoming bill. August 13th, at 6am, the Michigan arrived. I went on board, but we did not leave Sault Marie until 9.30. We arrived at Mackinac at 9pm. August 14th, this noon I departed from Mackinac, and at 8 P.M. arrived at Cross Village. August 15th, Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, at 7 I offered Mass and at 10 o'clock I preached in Indian. In the afternoon I preached again. August 16 to 17, nothing special, read, wrote calendars and letters. August 18th, Sunday, Mass at 7 and at 10 I preached in Indian and again after the Stations of the Cross. In the evening we talked about lengthening the church here in Cross Village by about 20 feet. August 19th at 10am moved on to Middle Village where we arrived at 2. In the evening visited a sick person and heard her confession. August 20th at 7am said mass in Middle Village and preached. At 10 I rode to Little Traverse where I arrived at 3pm. In the evening I told Father Sitarath that he probably will be transferred to Cross Village. And Father Zorn to Little Travers. August 21st Today, Guillaume Bissigny came here with many Indians and spoke against the priest. However, I found out that he alone is against the priest. The others like him, therefore I will leave him there. Fifteen dollars for land gave one hundred and thirty dollars to Father Sitara. August 22nd at 10 a.m. departed for Sheboygan and arrived here at 7 p.m. Although all the Indians were not there there were rather many. August 23rd at 6.30 said mass and preached and confirmed six. At ten departed and after a tedious ride arrived again at Little Traverse at 8.30. August 24th read most of the time in the evening heard sick Wasson's confession. confession. Sunday August 25th at 7 o'clock I said mass and at 11 I preached to a pipe congregation and confirmed 26 persons. I preached again in the afternoon after Vespers. At the end of this month, actually, say, he says, I, I'm in my bed, I'm sick, and no wonder, what a hard-working man. So, next time, well, this next month, September, we will go through the September entries. Fascinating, of course, once again, all the confessions, all the travelling he does, what a man. Um, Let's now pray for um, all the places that he founded, our own diocese and that of Marquette, as we say together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Now the hour of our death. Amen. The Lord be with you, and with your spirit. And may Almighty God bless you all and your families, and keep you safe. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you very much for joining me in this journey with the Venerable Bishop Monica. You can listen again to this or any other episode of Let's Talk Catholic at our blog, letstalkcatholicpodcast.blogspot.com or you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or almost any other podcast provider. Excellent.